We now have approved and effective COVID-19 vaccines in the U.S. We need widespread vaccination against COVID-19 so that the virus can infect as many people and in order to attain that herd immunity. And while some people may be hesitant to get vaccinated. As we continue to vaccinate, we're seeing what the clinical trials showed us. So I'm always going to say, go get your vaccination because we know the FDA has done their job in making sure that these vaccines are safe and effective for us to use. Later, we'll visit a vaccination clinic as someone receives their dose. Looks like you're here for your second dose of the COVID vaccine. And that someone is me. I'm going to put on my gloves and I'll go ahead and do that injection. Learn the facts about the COVID-19 vaccines inside this edition of CTSI Discovery Radio. Welcome to CTSI Discovery Radio. I'm your host, Brian Belmer. CTSI Discovery Radio is brought to you by the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin. The CTSI is a consortium of researchers, doctors, scientists, and others representing eight institutions, including the Medical College of Wisconsin, Milwaukee School of Engineering, Marquette University, the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, Children's Wisconsin, Freighter's Hospital, Versity Blood Center of Wisconsin, and the Zablocki VA Medical Center. The CTSI works collaboratively across all of our member institutions. Our mission is advancing health through research and discovery. For over a year now, our community, our country, our world have been plagued by a coronavirus threatening and in many cases impacting our health. Fortunately, we now have vaccines to provide immunity to COVID-19. And that's our focus today, sharing vital information and, hopefully, to answer many of the questions you may have about them. For this, we turn to an expert. Dr. Kristen Bussey is an assistant professor of pharmacy administration and regulatory sciences and the research oversight program director in the School of Pharmacy at the Medical College of Wisconsin. Dr. Bussey shares that the COVID-19 vaccines are known as messenger RNA or mRNA vaccines, which make proteins to trigger an immune response in our body. mRNA vaccines work by entering your cells, and we know that mRNA doesn't enter your DNA, but what it does do is it teaches your body to recognize that COVID-19 spike protein. Then your body develops antibodies to that spike protein. And that's what helps you fight off COVID-19 once you are exposed to it again. So once you've received the COVID-19 vaccination, you're potentially going to react less severely because it thinks you've already been exposed to the virus. And that's the reason why people who are vaccinated, they either have no symptoms at all once they've been exposed or they have less severe symptoms than people who are not vaccinated. To date, there are two authorized COVID-19 vaccines, one each by drug makers Pfizer and Moderna. Dr. Bussey explains some of the key differences between them. Differences include the timing of those doses. So Pfizer's dosing series is day one for the initial shot, and then you get a booster 21 days later. 
Moderna's day one, you get your first shot, and then you get a booster 28 days later. The vaccines also have different age restrictions. Pfizer can be given to people who are 16 and older. Of course, you have to have parental consent, whereas Moderna is authorized only for 18 and older. Different storage conditions. Pfizer's the one that requires the negative 80 Celsius and Moderna just requires regular freezer temperatures. Different shelf lives once thawed. With the refrigeration, once the vaccines are thawed, Pfizer has a much shorter window. It's only good for five days under refrigeration, whereas Moderna, once it's thawed, it's good for 30 days under refrigeration. So that's one of the reasons why Pfizer is so tricky to handle for a lot of different institutions. Thereby creating different distribution logistics for the vaccines. Because of those storage conditions, the state is managing it through a central hub and spoke model. Pfizer is received frozen by the hub and then it's distributed to the smaller spoke sites in special coolers to make sure that those refrigerated conditions are maintained. Whereas Moderna is shipped directly to the authorized vaccinator sites who have that storage capacity and the regular freezers and refrigerators. And in her role helping run the vaccine clinic at Freightert and the Medical College of Wisconsin, she knows these challenges firsthand. I actually work really closely with DHS region's vaccine supply manager, and MCW is providing the ultra-cold freezer storage for our DHS region's Pfizer vaccine. It might sound somewhat simple to distribute vaccine to a variety of different sites, but from working on the inventory side and also distributing vaccine to our patients who are coming into clinic, Nothing about this is simple related to COVID-19 distribution. As far as the ingredients in the two approved COVID-19 vaccines, Dr. Bussey says they're similar, but with a few proprietary differences. The same technology was used to create these, but they do have some slight differences in their inactive ingredients including this lipid layer that surrounds the mRNA. And it's the differences in this lipid layer that helps protect the mRNA so it can get into your cells that accounts for the different storage conditions that are required for Pfizer and Moderna. Something else they have in common, each requires two doses to fully protect you from COVID-19. But why two doses? That first dose is called the priming dose because your body is first introduced to the vaccine. When we're vaccinating people against COVID-19, that first dose is your first exposure to what your body thinks the virus looks like. Then, after the first, or priming dose, the immune system needs a few weeks to build up the antibodies. And then the second dose is referred to the booster dose because that's the fine-tuning of the antibody response to ensure that we have even stronger protection against the virus once you encounter it in real life. That's based on clinical trials and evidence that they have to support the best protection you have after getting both doses. One more thing they have in common. Right now we do know that demand for vaccine far exceeds the supply. So for example, the last three weeks, Wisconsin has received about 78,000 doses of Pfizer and about 100,000 doses of Moderna to vaccinate the entire eligible population that was outlined by CDC and our state. These populations include frontline healthcare providers, residents in skilled nursing, and long-term care facilities, police and fire, and now most recently adults greater than 65. And more people becoming eligible to receive their vaccines in the coming days and weeks. Because ultimately, we need 
the widespread vaccination against COVID-19 so that the virus can't affect as many people and fewer people being able to spread the virus into otherwise healthy adults. So in order to get the results that we want, we need to have at least 70 to 80 percent of the population vaccinated to attain that herd immunity. As far as which vaccine to get, you may or may not have a choice depending on the available supply when you're eligible. But regardless of which you receive, Dr. Bussey is confident both are effective. At the end of the day, I would encourage people to be vaccinated with either Pfizer or Moderna because we want to reach that vaccination rate to attain the herd immunity with either Moderna, Pfizer, or whatever else might be coming out in the future. Also, depending on which vaccine you get, a couple of things to remember. First, it's important that you receive your second dose from the same place you received your first dose, both because you want to make sure that you are getting the same vaccine that you got the first time, but also the way that the CDC and the DHS are handling vaccine allocation. We automatically receive that shipment of second doses to match the first doses that we received. So it's really important that people go back to the same location and hopefully are being scheduled to receive those second doses as you're walking out the door or very soon after you've left the clinic. And if you're thinking of getting the first, but maybe skipping the second dose, don't. There is some information out there about the level of protection you receive after the first dose, but it varies. So if you think about it, what the FDA reviewed was both doses. What was authorized for use is both doses. So people need both doses in order to be safely and effectively protected against COVID-19. Even with two vaccines already in use, are there still other COVID-19 vaccines in development? Oh, absolutely. I'm actually really excited about the Johnson & Johnson vaccine that will be reviewed by the FDA shortly. And based on the precedent that was set by Moderna and Pfizer, we should hopefully have Johnson & Johnson vaccine sometime in March. In fact, a couple qualities of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine have Dr. Bussey and others particularly excited. What's really exciting about J&J is that it's a single injection and it has much longer stability under refrigeration. So this is really going to be ideal for the younger population who are in college or homeless shelters where you have transient people who are coming through and you can't reschedule them for that second dose. There'll be so much opportunity for it in the community. Still other vaccines remain in development. AstraZeneca and Novavax are two other companies that have clinical trials. But again, both of these vaccines will require a two-dose series. They're not mRNA vaccines. They're more similar to a flu vaccine technology, if you will. Once a patient receives one of the currently available vaccines, how long does it take to build immunity against COVID-19? Some immunity develops after the first dose, but studies differ. We know that peak immunity occurs five to six weeks after receiving the second dose, although, of course, immunity is not 100%, which is why it's really important to remember to continue practicing the three W's. Wear your mask, watch your distance, and wash your hands. Even after you've been fully vaccinated, you have the potential to carry the virus and spread that to other people who aren't vaccinated. What about side effects after receiving either the first or second dose? Are there common ones? The common side effects are very similar between Moderna and Pfizer. They're generally not very severe in nature, and they resolve within a day after the dose. 
Common side effects include soreness, redness, swelling around the injection site. Then there's the potential systemic side effects like fatigue, nausea, headache, fever, and chills. Those are the signs that your immune system is working. So it's actually somewhat of a good thing. But other people don't have side effects at all. And Dr. Bussey says having a more severe reaction to the vaccine is possible. But it's not very likely. Nationally, the actual rate of anaphylaxis is 2 to 10 per 100,000 people. There's been no deaths and very few hospitalizations actually due to COVID-19 vaccines. In our own MCW clinic, we've had zero severe, immediate, allergic, anaphylactic reactions. But the benefits of receiving the COVID-19 vaccine far outweigh any risks. We've heard horror stories all of 2020 as COVID spread through the country. We know what those risks are. Now we have this vaccine, the FDA has done their due diligence reviewing the safety and efficacy. The FDA has arguably the best method and the best system in the world to review safety and efficacy data from clinical trials to determine what is safe and effective to release to the public in the U.S. What about concern surrounding the speed with which the vaccines were developed? These vaccines have undergone that same rigorous review they do for any licensed product, any drug, any injection, any vaccine that has been released for distribution and use by the public. And while these vaccines were fast-tracked under an emergency use authorization, shortening the review timeline... It's not any less robust. It's not anything short of their due diligence to make sure it's safe and effective before it goes into distribution for the public. Which is why Dr. Bussey says she's confident in the safety of the vaccines for herself and others. As we continue to vaccinate, we're seeing in distribution what the clinical trials showed us. And so at the end of the day, I'm always going to say, go get your vaccination because we know the risk of COVID and we know that the FDA has done their job in making sure that these vaccines are safe and effective for us to use. Lately, we've been hearing about mutations of the COVID-19 virus. Will the COVID-19 vaccines work against these variants? We really need more studies and data on our currently available vaccines. There's a very high degree of confidence that any of these mutations don't significantly change the structure of that spike protein of the virus. So that means the vaccine should still be effective. But this could also mean... Going forward, COVID-19 virus might accumulate different mutations, and that's why this might turn into more of a seasonal booster shot like we have flu shots right now. Because this is a new virus. So far, the supply of the vaccine is limited. The CDC and then our state had to decide who should get vaccinated first. So we're doing our best to follow the recommendations. Right now in Wisconsin, people who are eligible include frontline healthcare, nursing home residents, long-term care residents, first responders, and everybody over 65. The next phase includes education and childcare. Is there anyone who should not get a COVID-19 vaccination? A big question is about people who are pregnant or breastfeeding. And the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists have put out a statement that COVID-19 vaccines shouldn't be withheld from pregnant individuals who meet the criteria for vaccination. Based on the CDC guidelines, anybody with any underlying medical condition should have a conversation with their primary care provider to weigh that risk versus benefit. At the MCW Vaccine Clinic, 
Does she see more people who are eager or hesitant to get vaccinated? Practically everyone is overjoyed to have the opportunity to be vaccinated. We have such skilled healthcare personnel in our clinic who provide wonderful counseling to our patients. We make sure that they're calm and ready to be vaccinated so that they're able to protect themselves and their loved ones. She shares some memorable examples. One person I heard say, this is the first vaccination they've had in over 50 years. Another's from a young African-American gentleman who said this was his very first vaccination ever. I almost cried when he was in clinic. It was emotional for everybody. And I think that says a lot about the COVID-19 vaccines. There are many public perceptions about the vaccines. We asked Dr. Bussey to address some of them. First, the idea that receiving the COVID-19 vaccine will make you sick with the virus. No part of the COVID-19 virus is included in any COVID-19 vaccine, both those that are currently available and those that are coming up. There's no live virus, there's no attenuated or deadened virus as part of these vaccines. The idea that once a person receives both doses, they're no longer a threat to spread COVID-19. That's a common misperception, but it's still a very real possibility that people who have been vaccinated can still infect other people who aren't vaccinated. The idea that someone who's recovered from COVID-19 doesn't need the vaccine. The longest amount of immunity we've seen so far is about 90 days. After those 90 days, you're not as protected as you were before. So it's not anything that should prevent you from getting a vaccine that will have longer-term immunity. There's the idea that the COVID-19 vaccination can alter our DNA. That's definitely a no, because mRNA can't get into the nucleus of your cell where the DNA is housed. It can't alter anything. The vaccine contains a tiny microchip that's implanted in the recipient. Definitely not. This is not a way for our government to control us and track us. Or the vaccine causes infertility in women. That's a myth. The American Society of Reproductive Medicine don't believe these vaccines will cause increased risk of infertility. If you're at all hesitant about getting the COVID-19 vaccine, talk to healthcare professionals who know about the vaccines and about the data that would help inform your decision. And if you've already been vaccinated, share your story. You know, knowledge really is power to help end this pandemic and hope is with the vaccine. If you'd like to take Dr. Bussey's advice and listen to someone share their experience, well, here's your opportunity. Recently, I went to the Medical College of Wisconsin's vaccine clinic to receive my second dose of the COVID-19 vaccination. Today, I'm sharing my experience with you. When I arrived at the clinic, I was met at one of the vaccination stations by... Sue Norman. I'm a nurse in the Office of Research. I was a nurse in the clinical trials area of cardiovascular medicine and cardiology for 25 years. And then I had the privilege of moving into the Office of Research clinical trials team. We help facilitate research across the medical college enterprise. But on this day, and for several weeks prior, Sue draws upon her experience in joining other volunteers at the MCW Vaccine Clinic, an experience she describes as... A privilege to be able to do this. I have been a nurse for over 30 years. Never in my wildest dream did I imagine that I'd be able to be a part of something like this. 
Sue says a big reason why it's a privilege is the positive attitude most patients have about receiving their vaccine. Some people are so excited when they come in. You think if they could, they'd do cartwheels to the station. They're just so happy to receive that vaccine. But are all patients this excited? Well, some people are hesitant, and their hesitancy usually is because the information that's out there is not always factual. It's someone's perception of what it is. And she adds that even when someone is hesitant, it can be turned into a positive. This gives us an opportunity here at the vaccination station to review, this is what we know. You know, I am not sure what you heard. I'm sorry if that makes you nervous, but let's work through it to see if we can feel better when you leave. And that's been very helpful. Even some of the patients who do want the vaccine are nervous. Once again, it's an opportunity for... Being compassionate. It's like trying to understand why are they nervous. Is it because they have an aversion to needles? Is it because they're just overwhelmed? And although they want to be here, they still are trying to understand what it is, what we're doing, and how does all of this work? To make the MCW vaccine clinic work, it takes a lot of people from a lot of places performing a lot of roles. A total team effort. Many of the people that work here are either MCW employees, they're freighted employees, they're children's employees, community nurses, physicians, the people who are in the vaccine stations, the people that are non-vaccinators, people who want to help. Is it humbling to be part of the solution to this worldwide health crisis? It's more than humbling. It's really probably one of the kindest and most gracious things that you can do. And at the end of the day, it's a feeling of equal parts satisfaction and exhaustion. You feel exhausted at the end of the day working on one of the vaccine clinics, but you feel like you really have done something really good and really kind and right. It's like we work for the Medical College of Wisconsin. We are an academic medical center. These are the things that we do. Does she and her fellow volunteers feel appreciated for their tireless efforts in battling COVID-19? Absolutely. It's our opportunity to do something for the people who can't protect themselves or to do something for our care workers who are giving care in a hospital, in the clinics. A lot of our volunteers are people who have been a nurse, have been a doctor, have been someone that has been able to have the vaccine. They walked through the process and now they want to help too. The best part, she says, is knowing that being part of the MCW vaccine clinic is being a part of the solution, a part of the way to get other darkness that was the year 2020. And she adds, if you ask any one of our vaccinators, it's a privilege to be able to do this. It's the one thing we can do. And our goal is to be able to keep people out of the hospital. And we really truly believe this is our way to do that. There are some who consider healthcare workers heroes for getting the COVID-19 pandemic under control. But as for Sue... I don't look at myself as a hero. I look at myself as a part of a community that is trying to put us back into a better place where we can be with our family, our friends. We're not a hero. We're just doing our small part for a great thing. But while she and others are humble about their role in this, she doesn't underestimate the importance of the vaccine. It's very important for everyone to get the vaccine. The only way that we can get away from the pandemic is through vaccination so that we can be safe. I've seen more than one person who's been impacted by this, people who have been very ill. And I think once you see that, you start looking for a way out. 
For anyone who's not yet received their vaccine doses, Sue says when it is your opportunity. My message for them is when they have the opportunity to get the vaccine, please get it. And then once you've been vaccinated. Tell your friends, you know, share with your friends the importance and maybe the reason that they don't want to get vaccinated is because they've been given wrong information. However, the emergency use information tells the true story about the vaccine. This is the information that we know to be true, and I think that's what we all need to rely upon to make our decisions, not something from someone who may not really know or understand that information. And now, it's my moment of truth. Well, my second moment of truth, really. Brian, looks like you're here for your second dose of the COVID vaccine, is that correct? Correct. My second, or booster dose, of the Pfizer vaccine. Sue walks us through the process. Just gonna do a couple of pieces of paperwork here. One of those things is to check with you and see how did you tolerate that first dose? The first dose went just fine. I experienced a little arm soreness at the point of the injection, but that only lasted a day. Okay, that sounds about what we would expect from that. Anything else? No. I didn't have any other side effects or reactions to the first dose. Well, good. So today, we are again going to give the Pfizer vaccine, as you should have the Pfizer vaccines for both doses to get the full benefit of that vaccine. And although I'm receiving the same vaccine as the first dose, she does inform me of one small difference. The only thing different about the vaccine dose that you're going to receive today is the lot number. The lot number is like the ID card for the vaccine. And the reason that we're on a different lot number today is because we used up all the lot that you previously received. That lot number and other info is entered onto a vaccination record card you'll receive when you get your first dose. I'm going to write the lot number on your card for today's dose and today's injection date, and that you received it here at the Medical College of Wisconsin. By the way, your vaccination record card is important, so be sure to keep it in a safe place. In fact, what I'm going to recommend to you is you take a picture of your card. It certainly seems there's enough indicators out there that this little card will end up to be your passport to be able to do things that you want as we can open up and safely do things. So please keep the card and then also uh, take a picture of it for your record. As mentioned, with the first dose, I experienced only minor arm soreness. Sue tells me with the second dose. What the clinical trials have shown us is in about 30% of people, after receiving their second dose, they have a few more symptoms. Those symptoms might include fever or chills, headache, fatigue, arm soreness, redness, and or swelling. And if I experience any of these symptoms following my second dose. Things that will help to control those symptoms might include an extra bottle of water today, an extra bottle of water tomorrow. If those symptoms become more than an annoyance, then Tylenol is your friend. We would recommend, however, that you can stay away from ibuprofen if that's something that you can do. As for which arm to get your vaccines in, it's up to you. But Sue recommends considering. To use your dominant arm because you're going to move that arm more. So the more that you move the arm, it's going to help work that muscle. As your muscle tightens up or gets sore, as the vaccine is working with that muscle, just gently rub it. That helps to relax the muscle a little bit and does seem to help control that discomfort a little bit. And with that, it's time for my second COVID-19 vaccine injection. I'm going to put on my gloves. Sue puts on latex gloves. And I'll go ahead and do that injection. 
I'm going to use the alcohol wipe. She wipes to disinfect where I'll receive the shot and tells me to relax my arm. If you can dangle your arm loosely along your side, that nice loose muscle will hopefully be a happier muscle later. And then, just like that, All right, there. it's over. All that we have left now is the Band-Aid. That's it? Yeah, that is it. It is that quick. After receiving my shot, I was asked to go out to our observational area. We ask everyone to sit there for 15 minutes to make sure that you're feeling okay. And then I'm all done. So how did I do? You did absolutely great. Thank you so much for doing your part because everyone who's vaccinated really is helping to get us out of the pandemic. And you get a sticker. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And when it's your opportunity, I hope you'll get the vaccine. And a sticker, too. Now, we've reached the end for this edition of CTSI Discovery Radio. Our sincere thanks to today's guests, Dr. Kristen Bussey and Sue Mauerman. I hope you've discovered something by listening to today's show. And I'm doubly hopeful that you'll join us again next time. CTSI Discovery Radio airs the third Friday of every month. Make an appointment on your calendar and join us for each episode. On behalf of the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin and all of our affiliate partners and members, I'm Brian Belmer, wishing you happier, healthier days ahead. For more information about research or to listen to the podcast of this or any of our shows on demand, please visit our website at ctsi.mcw.edu. CTSI Discovery Radio is written, produced, and hosted by Brian Belmer in collaboration with WMSE Radio. The CTSI and this program are under the direction of Dr. Reza Shakir.